1: Attention Ditto Heads. The lady. Attention Bo Scouts goes by the pseudonym Bo Nerdly. It's time for the soul of excellence.
2: He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The
1: rush hour is on the air. Rush Rush now here's Bo Nerdly.
3: Welcome indeed to your Friday rush hour here on WABC Talk Radio 77. If you want to be part of today's program, 800-848-WABC is the number. 848 2 Today is a really, well, we're, we, we are calling it happy hour today. What happened to the music? Who does that? Who just stops playing music? Snack him. No, don't do that. <laughs> it is happy hour because I, we have such a treat for you today. Uh, Ernie Anastas is with us. And if you don't know who he is, then you don't. You, you Ernie, how are you? Thanks Ernie for who? Being here who did today. you say?
4: Ernie who, Bo? <laughs> I said it right. My you whole, sure did, man. How are you?
3: So good to be here. Ernie, I am thrilled beyond belief that, you, that you're with me. I, You know, folks... Er, Ernie's history, and I hope you don't mind me just not calling you Mr. Just Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Now, you know he's with us here at 77 WABC, Mm -hmm. Positively Ernie. He is a children's author. He hosts his own syndicated television program nationally, Mm -hmm. Positively America. And with us, it is Positively Ernie on this radio station, Mm -hmm. right? Yes, sir. That's right. You have done news. You have worked in the news business. ABC7, CBS2, Fox5. Yep. Three stations. You, three stations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But wait a minute. Yes, sir. And more. There's more. <laughs> oh, go ahead, Bob. <laughs> you have your own day. You have your you are one of the few New Yorkers that have your own day. March 21st. Oh, man is Ernie and Astor state in New York. You know, that's an amazing thing. Uh,
4: it, it's just a wonderful thing to be part of New York. Bo, you, you know the city, and uh, there's nothing like it. To me, when people say, what's it like? What's New York like? I say it's the whole world in one city. We've got it all here. We've got the people. We've got the culture. We've got the diversity. We have everything that you need, and I love this town, and it was a nice honor uh, that was given to me several years ago And we've celebrated a few times with a little bit of a a thing going on at some of the schools in New York. I love working with schools. And it's a nice thing, and I appreciate you even saying that. But, Bo, more more than anything, I just love being on your show. I listen to you, you know, and you have that warmth. I think people know this. Uh, You know, we're we're helping one another here by what we do. But you really have uh, the, the attraction. When people listen to you, they hear your voice and they hear your balance, which I really think is important. And you try to listen to all sides. There are opinions, of course. That's what you know. It's all about. But you also try to bring out whatever people are trying to say. I love that. I think that's great about wow. you.
3: Wow. Yes, sir. Oh, You've you, you blown me away. Thank you. Thank you. You know, um, look, you, you, more than thirty Emmy awards mm-hmm. and nominations. Best newscaster. I could go on. The Edward R. Murrow Award. Folks, Ernie is a living legend. You are. And let me just say this. I remember yes, watching TV when you yeah, first well, came to New York. Right. And I had never seen up until that point mm-hmm. the excitement about a guy doing news. <laughs> 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 now, come on. Don't tell me uh, you tell me that you tell uh, me that this is not true. Because for it I don't know how it happened. But when you mm-hmm. came, it, it set the city on fire. Oh, there was oh, so man. much. First of all, women were just swooning, who is this man? Bo, Bo. Oh, come on, you know I'm telling the truth. <laughs> oh, but then man. but then you you know, Ernie, I don't know how you do this. You you are a celebrity, but you've never assumed the celebrity ego. Absolutely you, not, Bo. Y- That's so have... important to me. That's so right.
4: important. It really is. You know, when you talk about coming to New York, it was in nineteen seventy-eight and I'd been working in Providence, Rhode Island, doing the eleven o'clock show. And uh, a wonderful news director, Ron Tindilia, brought me to New York, and we sat down and we talked, and he said, Ernie, I'm putting you on the air. And he said, you know, um, you're going to start off as a reporter, and hopefully there'll be an opening for you to anchor. And I said, I'll take that chance. And I remember talking to him, and God rest his soul, um, a wonderful human being who went on to do so many great things as president of the CBS stations, of the ABC stations. And Ron said to me, you know, what I like, Ernie, is your name. I said, really? I don't like my name. It's funny. I said, you know, my middle name is Alexander. I wish I was Alexander rather than Ernie. You know, people think of Burton Ernie. I said, I don't like it. And he said, no, it's original, and there's no other Ernie in New York. And he said, it's a, it's, it's a name that people will remember. And I'm, I'm sharing that with you because I wasn't crazy about it. And he brought wow. me to New York, and I just fell in love with the city. And the city fell in love with me, and I'm moved by that because I grew up in a terrific home, uh, a Greek-American home back in New England, and we were taught to really love people. My grandfather was a Greek priest. He was one of the first 100 ordained in the United States. He was a pioneer. And in our home, we learned about culture. We learned about appreciation. We learned about respect, love, honor, uh, the work ethic. And all of these things became part of me. And I I have never changed. People who've known me for so many years say, you know, Ernie, we grew up together. You haven't changed a bit. And I'm happy that they say that because I I have a spiritual side to me. And to me, um, it's very important because I believe in one creator of all people. And when I go out, I'll go to a church. I'll go to a synagogue. I'll go anywhere. It doesn't matter. I just love to be in that spirit. And that's a big part of
3: why I feel the way I do, Bo. I wanted to share that with you and with your audience. Well, I'm glad that you did. You know, th- these are the kind of things that we talk about occasionally mm-hmm. on the program. And I want to tell you, folks, if you're here for the politics today, I will deliver that, not Ernie. Because Ernie, and I want to tell you something. I don't know what your political stance is. Don't okay. care. This Good. is, this is to me, th- this is something from an era gone past. Mm-hmm. You do news. I don't know what you think about the politics I'm of happy the day. you say
4: that. I'm really happy you say that because all the years that I've been on the air, you know, Walter Cronkite was a mentor. Uh, He helped me so much. We spent a lot of time together. And I remember sitting down with Walter and he would talk to me about what it was like to cover the news. And, you know, that wonderful voice that he had, Ernie, let me tell you something now that you're going to remember. And I said, what is it, Walter? He said, you know, he said, the important thing is what we do. He said, we are watchdogs. We're not attack dogs. And we're not lap dogs, but we're watchdogs. And what we do is we go out there and we bark. We tell people what's going on and we want them to respond to what's happening. He said, you don't give your view. You don't give your opinion. He said, you just report the facts and keep it straight. And I've always believed that. One of the interesting things is that when I go into the voting booth, and I love doing that, uh, I'll go in and, and all of a sudden I'm in there for a long time. And when I come out, people say to me, gee, you're in there a long time. I say, yeah, I had a difficult time making a decision. Because when I've been on the air reporting news, I've always tried to be fair, listening to all sides. And then I make my own decision. But I I, I pride myself on the fact that you say that I I don't have an opinion. Um, Privately, maybe I do. You know, I've covered a lot of politics. I've covered conventions, uh, you know, from 1980 on. I remember so many conventions that I covered live uh, from Detroit, from uh, New Orleans. Interesting time when I was down in New Orleans in 1988, covering uh, George Bush and Sr. and um, Dan Quayle. And this is a funny story. Can I share this with you? Of course. Okay. Um, I was down there on on the convention floor after it was over, and I was getting ready to go on the air at 11 o'clock to do the news live. And uh, I remember walking up to that huge podium, and I'm standing there, and I'm looking around, and there's confetti still flying around, and there's a glass. On the table. And I looked at it and I said, You know what? The president drank from this glass. And I love collecting memorabilia. I've collected a lot of memorabilia over the years. And I took that glass with the confetti in it, 1988. And around 2001, the president, the former president, was being honored here in New York. And lo and behold, I'm the master of ceremonies. And I'm sitting next to him. And I told him the story. And he looked at me, and and I know he was sincere, and he said, Well, I'm really moved by that. And I said, You are? Yeah. He said, That's very kind of you. He said, To feel that way about me. And I said, Mr. President, it meant a lot to me, and I like collecting that. He said, You know, if you had that glass here, he said, I'd sign it for you. And what do you think I did?
3: Pulled (laughs) off the glass. Yes, sir. (laughs) Yes, you did.
4: I had (laughs) it on the floor, man. I brought it in a bag, you know, a nice bag. And I pulled it up, and he said, Give me one of those magic markers. And he signed it for me, and I had a picture taken with him. I mean, it's incredible. It really is. But there are a lot of stories I could share with you. I've interviewed so many people. It's unbelievable. I made a list one time of all all the people I've talked to, and I said, I can't believe it. I've been so honored and privileged.
3: Yeah. Well, let me ask you about this. Today in New York, we had um, a funeral. Yes. And I don't want you to get into the political aspects of this. I'm going to just wade into it a little Mm bit. This was or Mr. Neely who died in the subway train and of course that is an ongoing legal case now mm-hmm. Daniel Penny and Al Sharpton presided over the ceremony and one of the things that he said was that uh when those men were choking him they were choking us a lot of people think that's inflammatory but he also made reference and people have been making reference to Mr. Neely's mental illness and that is documented he suffered from autism and he Uh, suffered from schizophrenia. Now, this is what I want to talk to you about. Everybody on, if you're, I see people are already on hold that want to talk about this. Yeah, we can talk about Al Sharpton. I'll talk about that with you. But I want to talk with Ernie, since he's Mm -hmm. here, about this. I am beyond concerned, terribly concerned and heartbroken that in this nation, we are the wealthiest nation, well, we used to be anyway, on the face of the earth and yet you go from corner to corner in this vast and wonderfully great country of ours and you can see people on the streets many of them suffering from mental illness of one kind or another true yes I do not think that we will ever live up to the potential of our nation and the American dream until we find a compassionate but deliberate way to bring these in some cases hundreds of thousands or millions oh, yeah, of it's a big
4: number big number
3: suffering from mental illness mm. and get them the care that they need and get them off the streets of america now, i didn't want to know if you want to just comment on that part of it you know, Bo, uh, this is a very important topic, and in fact,
4: uh, it's interesting you would say that because this Sunday coming up at five o'clock on seventy-seven WABC, um, I do a program with Patricia Stark. She and I, are positively Ernie and Patricia, and we're talking about mental health, positive mental health. Talking to some experts about what we can do, how can we make it better? Why is the problem grown so out of control, and and what are we doing about it? Where's the reality? You know, we have so much access to information. I don't have to tell you. I mean, people can go anywhere, everywhere to find stories, to find help. I mean, the information highway is incredible. And yet with all of this ability that we have to connect with one another, to talk to one another, whether it's electronically or in person, we have a breakdown. We're not able to talk. We're not able to help some of these people. Why? That's a big question. I ask, I ask you. I ask our, our listeners. Why are we not able to do that? I, I just can't see. I've witnessed so much covering news in New York for decades. And, and maybe I'm digressing a little bit, but I think it's still on topic. I can tell you that civility is the difference between order and disorder. Mm. I have witnessed the best and the worst of human behavior in a very long career as a TV news reporter. And, I've seen, and what I've seen is that I encourage people. All the time, practice civility as a power of uh, it's an act of kindness. It's decency. It's human dignity. It's respect for one another and to help one another. Listen, we're all on this planet, Bo. We're all connected in some form, and it's a short ride. And I think that you know what we all experienced with the pandemic, we went through an inner reflection. A lot of people said, Hey, let me deal with with life's deepest questions. How am I living? What's my purpose on this on this earth? Why am I here? Am I helping other people? Am I doing something that
3: really has value? You know these I really... are the questions that go back as far as humanity, especially oh, absolutely. Why am I here? Why am I, I here? I mean, you can go back to Socrates and know thyself as his as one of the the, the things, and that is may sound simple, but it is mm-hmm. so incredibly deep when you look into it because it moves past knowing one's personality to knowing one's mind, to yes, knowing sir. one's one's. Period. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a great quotation.
4: Don't strive for success. Strive for significance. Ooh. What is your purpose in life? Why are you here? And going back to what you're talking about, what happened, that terrible situation on that subway, uh, you know, you, you have to look at it from all sides and say, what happened here? What happened? I mean, somebody died. That's a serious problem. How did it happen? Why did it happen? What was the reaction? Was it right? Was it wrong? What are we doing? And, and is it going to happen again? My goodness, do we have to talk about all the violence in this country? It's incredible. Every time you turn around and, and there's a mass shooting someplace, I mean, I can't believe it. And I'm saying this is going back and back and back and back, and it's coming forward again. I'm, I'm deeply concerned about this, Beau. It really, it bothers me when I think about how we have the opportunity in our country. We have the resources. We have the people. We have the ability to make the change, and yet we're not. And there's a divisiveness. That really bothers me, and I can't understand why we have so much of that. Where are leaders? You know, I I took a a year off uh, during the pandemic, and I did Harvard Business School for a year, and I studied leadership. And and the, the leadership basic line is you have to have the vision. You have to be able to look ahead into the future and say, what's the problem, and where is it going to go? What can we do about it now? And the other thing is to listen. We don't listen enough. Everybody's, you know, yelling, screaming about something and not listening and saying, "Let me hear your view. Let me hear your opinion. Let's find compromise." What happened to compromise, understanding one another, and looking for something that's better for all of society? That's, hmm. Yeah, that, that really concerns I, me a lot. Ernie, more. I'm yeah. gonna,
3: I'm gonna, I want to get into all. All you have raised so many issues here, and I want to tackle one or two of the, two of them when we get back. James Golden, sure, AKA Snerdly here, WABC Talk Radio, seventy-seven. It is. Wow, there's Stevie. 1973, my friends, on this you day.
4: You the sunshine of my life.
3: Early singing, too, yeah. <laughs> come on, join me, Well, this Bo. song was number one. I'm not going to sing. Yeah, I terrify everybody. No, nah,
4: you won't. You got a good voice. <laughs> you man. got this, Bo. You got this. You got a great voice. Uh-uh.
3: Uh-uh. I tried this before. And, and when I was, I was with a band, and they let me sing, and after a few moments... They said, um, "You know what? You do the speaking part. No, come they on. did. Don't sing. You but sound is... like
4: you got a Barry White sound, man. It's great. I
3: can kind of, I can kind of go there with it. you." Already. Oh, look at that! <laughs> <laughs> We're coming back. Don't go away, ladies and gentlemen. No. Back with you. Your calls. Stay with us. It is happy hour, booster, Sterling's rush hour on WABC New York.
0: Bruno. Bruno, he's your numero uno.
1: This is The Rush Hour with Bose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
3: Also, the birthday today of Pete Townsend. And I have such a difficult time wanting to know if I'm pronouncing his name right because of the way it's spelled. It's spelled Townshend, but it's not pronounced like that. Right. Townsend, right? Right.
4: I think it's just Townsend, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it it is. is.
3: Yeah, right. And Ernie Anastas is here. We are having happy hour today. (laughs) I'm (laughs) loving this. Well, hey,
4: by the way, I want to ask you, okay, so you've got two names, right? You're James and you're Bo. Does anybody Mm -hmm. ever call you J-Bo? Not yet. Not yet. Thank you. J-Bo, I mean, that's not so bad. I'm
1: <laughs> I'm sure they will now.
4: <laughs> it's a good name for you. It's happy. It's Jabo. I like J. Bo.
3: Now, I want to talk with you about <laughs> compromise because you just said what happened to compromise. First of all, I want you to expound on what you said about civility, but then I want to talk about I want to talk about compromise right. because I, this I think goes to the heart of what many people on both sides believe. They believe that the other side is so evil and i'm using that word intentionally Ooh. that there is no compromise now you'll hear um people on the conservative side say listen okay we this w- what is being foisted on society is dangerous this this move in some course in in some circles believe it or not there are people who believe that we should not um uh prosecute people that they're calling them now minor attracted to children we we call them pedophiles and and people are there are some people including in the intellectual elite of our society that are trying to normalize that say that's a normal behavior we're looking at what all these gender wars that are taking place okay but if you go beyond that and i'm not look when you say we should compromise matters of policy i get you i get it but there are some situations now with what we're confronting, with that people are saying, no, there is no compromise because we cannot compromise with things that will ultimately destroy society. So how would you how would you address that, Ernie? Mm, that's a difficult question because there are strong, strong
4: feelings on both sides, on every side. Um, people have just become very firm in what they believe. We hear it all the time. And I recently went out on the street and I asked people uh, questions like, you know, do you think that we're compromising enough? Are we doing enough? In fact, I, I'm running it on the air probably in another week. And and people are fed up. They're saying, you know, why is there so much negativity that people don't listen to one another? Uh, and it's taking a toll not only on individuals, but families. Families are being divided, seriously divided over politics or whatever a uh, social issue happens to be at, at hand, uh, colleagues doing their job or having difficulty, it's become a, a, a nuisance and, and become a huge problem. Now, I'm not going to lay the blame um, on our media, but I love the media. I've been in this since age 16 years old. I had my first job in radio, and I haven't been off the air since I was 16, all the way through college. So I love what I do, and I, I love the First Amendment. I love the protection of speech, and I would never censor anything. But I think because we have so much access, particularly with social media and the Internet, where people can say things and they can hide and and they don't have to have the truth out there. Uh, They can say something. They can make up a story. There are rumors. You know, as a reporter, I mean, there was a time when you would never go on the air with a rumor. Never. Right. It had had to be a, a reliable source, substantiated information to be able to report it. And now, you know, the rules have changed. Standards and practices have taken a back seat. There was a time when you were very careful about what you said, how you said it, how it was written, the influence that you had. And unfortunately, it's kind of a free-for-all in many ways. Now, I'm not saying that all journalists are like that. Thank God. There are people who work extremely hard. You do. A lot of people do. And they try to protect the integrity of our career, of our uh, profession, of journalism. And that's very important. But I think because the rules have been so relaxed in so many ways, deregulation here and there, uh, that it's become a bit of a free-for-all. So people have these opinions, strong opinions, and, and I know that it sounds like I'm going around a circle here, and I don't mean to do that. Okay, I don't mean to do that. Um, but people have to learn how to compromise again. We have to learn how to talk once again. Uh, there, We're missing, I think, face-to-face, a lot of face-to-face communication. So much of it is electronic. And it's easy to say and do something when you're not looking at somebody eyeball to eyeball, when you're not sitting there and you can you can feel the vibration of that other soul. And I think that's a little bit of the problem. I don't know if you agree with me, but I I think we need to make sure that we communicate better and find ways to teach that, particularly at an early age in school. Kids have to learn that because
3: they're the next generation. I do agree with a lot of what you said. Um, I I want you to get back when we have to take another break, but I want you to talk about what you said, because I think this is so important, that civility is what actually holds. See, I believe that the respect for law and the respect for, and I'm going back to Bastia, I'm going back to to in in history to look at where societies and what made America the unique society that it was. Mm was a respect for this constitution, this law right. that, that we had, and a mutual understanding of that. But you just said something that blew my mind when you said it is civility. Yes. Civility that holds a country or or that elevates a country. Mm-hmm. And I'm paraphrasing, I want you to expound on that when we get back, okay? Okay, sure. Great. James Golden AKA Snerd, we are gonna take your calls. 800-848-W-A-B-C. The reason we're playing some Marley here, my man Bob Marley, 1984, the legend album was number one across the world right after Bob Marley passed. Bob Marley, Bob Marley the Wailers. WABC Talk Radio 77, coming back right after this.
0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: This
1: is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
3: 1990. the song, Vogue. Ooh start a three-week run at number one on the U.S. singles chart. Now, originally, this was planned as a B-side. Mm-hmm. It wasn't supposed to be released as the single, but it was, and it shot up to top of the charts. Madonna. Unbelievable. On WABC, Ernie Anastas is with us. Ernie. Yeah, wait a minute. I that that to, was uh,
4: supposed to be a B-side, right? You know, it's interesting. Yep. I interviewed Gloria Gaynor recently. She was talking about her big hit, I Will Survive. She said that Mm -hmm. was a B-side record. Wow. And she said, no, 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 no. This is not a B. And and there's a story right there. That happens a lot. People just, you know, uh, tell you a story like that and you say, what's the lesson there? The lesson is that you have to stop for a minute and say, hey,
3: let me think about this. Let me think about this. That's it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Civility. You said, tell us again if you can remember what it is that you said about civility. Well, and I want you to expound on yeah, that for a
4: Well, you know, um, I was talking about covering news in New York for so many years. And you know, if you ask me, I can tell you that civility, I find, is the difference between order and disorder. Um, right. Henry James, you know, said three things in human life are important. The first is to be kind. The second is to be kind. And the third is to be kind. You know, so civility uh, is the it's the essential glue that really holds our society together, and it involves such important issues as friendship, you know, altruism, responsibility, dignity, and justice. Uh, you, You made reference to one of the Greek philosophers, Aristotle. Aristotle saw civility as a form of friendship, which he understood as a mutual feeling of goodwill. So, what we have to do is we have to show authentic respect for others. You know, requiring their time, their presence, their willingness to engage in genuine discourse and the intention to seek a common ground. How do you do that? You do it by listening, by talking, by taking the time to be able to just sit and absorb the information, talk. I'm a firm believer, and here we are on talk radio, that you need to have dialogue. You need to do that. You can't go around bullying people. That's become a serious problem. And that's part of what we're talking about when it comes to civility. Why are we having such a problem with bullying? What's created that mood and that feeling? Why are we not being more civilized to one another? Uh, I think that there are courses that have to be taught in school. I really believe in the educational system. And I think we have to do a lot, particularly with our young people. They are the sponge. They're learning. They're listening. They're growing. They're feeling they're going to become the next generation. What are we doing? What are we doing to instill some of these values in our young people? And it's still not too late for us adults as well to be able to treat one another and practice civility as a powerful act of kindness and decency.
3: Hey, I love when you say that. I love when you say a powerful act of of, kindness and decency. Yes. Because there is power. Yes. In there is, there is a power. There is a mm-hmm. power of energy that we all have with us. Oh, tremendous. And, and it's all and, about human dignity and
4: respect for each other. That's what it's about. This is what I believe in. It's the true connection that we really all need and we want. Deep down, our souls want to be connected. You walk down the street, you look at somebody, and if you throw them a smile, I'm telling you, nine times out of ten, they're going to smile back at you. Because so I just got a text message. So yes. what? If, but what if one side refuses to be civil? Ah, there lies the problem. And, and this is what we're talking about. How do we break that barrier? How do we break down the line and say, wait, 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 wait. Let's now talk and find a forum, find a way, wherever it happens to be, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in your home, uh, on the street, in a public gathering, where do we find that opportunity to say, hey can you talk to me? I'm listening to you, and I'm being respectful. I think it has to start with somebody inviting you, okay? You have to invite somebody in to say, I want to hear your view, and I want to respect what you're saying. I, I, I'm not going to argue with you. I just want to sit and talk about it and find a way that we can kind of work and live together.
3: Millane in Danbury, Connecticut. You're on WABC Talk Radio 77 with Ernie oh, Anastas. Hi. 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 How are you?
2: Hi, James. Gold. I've never called before you. But I know Ernie, and I've been face to face with him. Hi. Um. Hi. Hi, Ernie. Um. How are you, Melanie? C- Melanie Kane, remember?
4: Melanie, my goodness, yes. Mel- D- Do people know the story about Melanie Kane?
2: Story. Okay, so I'll just do it really brief.
4: Go ahead, um, Melanie.
2: Ernie knows me. He covers one of my stories in my life, and I'm going to tell face to face, and um, I will tell you. He was so loving and kind. So those are the words I'm going to tell you. Hmm. And I told you that when I called your show, Ernie. Yes. You were so loving and kind to me. And I always remembered that. And that's how, when I raised my daughter, that was the thing that I said to her every day when she left the house. Be loving and kind. And she was so annoyed with me. No, 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 no. I don't want to be loving and kind. Be loving and kind. And so she was, and then she was whatever, Val Victorian of her class. Mm-hmm. She said greatest thing I learned was to be loving and kind.
4: Mm-hmm. Loving and because
2: kind because every you know, it's kind of a civility, like you say, and there's a morality too, and have faith. And then on the music note, so James, for you yes. Um, okay. So I love your music and Thank I you. love I I love your music. And so when I was going through a rough time during my situation, which you don't have to know about, um, it was Louis Armstrong. It's a wonderful world. And I had to go walk into the park and see that it was a wonderful world. And I could get back into kind of society instead of staying (laughs) isolated. Okay. Okay. So Ernie had a lot to do with it. Plus, he was loving, kind. He had a great head of hair. He wore great (laughs) (laughs) suits, and I had a crush on him. Okay.
4: Oh my! You know, I I have to I have to clarify some things here, Melanie, because you're really sweet to call Melanie Kane uh, was very, very popular, uh, and she was a wonderful star uh, model. Very well known. And this was a story that I covered back in 1978, 79. It was a correct, Upper, upper correct, East correct. Side Love Triangle, Buddy Jacobson, Melanie Kane, and John Tupper. And um, and it was a, it was an unbelievable story. And I was new in New York and I went up to the Bronx County Courthouse and I wanted to get an interview with Melanie. It would have been an exclusive. And somehow I got in, sat down with her and her attorney. And we did an exclusive interview. It was on Channel 7 uh, ABC Eyewitness News. And it was a big headline story. Melanie, uh, I'll never forget that. And I appreciate the fact that you said that because I've treated everyone that way. Uh, and we're talking about civility here and respect today. And that's what it's about. It doesn't matter what you do. You, you you can you can have a tough job, but you can still be kind and you can still be civil about it. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that, Melanie.
2: And that's, that's what I to- always told my daughter. She got so mad at me. But then, you know, when she was Val Victorian at the high school, she goes, my mom taught me to be loving and kind. <laughs> there
3: and you not, go. And not, you know. Now, Ernie, I'm gonna tell you, I want to tell you a story. You've been telling me some stories. Let me tell sure, you stories sure. about the, one of the greatest men I ever knew and will know. And that was my dad. Mm-hmm. My dad was the kindest man that I knew and know. And one of the things that he, and he would stress that to us when we were kids, the same thing. Mm-hmm. Be kind to people. He told me of a story, and he would not talk about his experiences in either the Korean War or the World War II, would not, except for one story that he told us. Now, this goes back to the United States being a segregated military mm. in Korea. And the way that he told us the story, he said, you know, um, some of the white troops had gotten drunk at this particular location and left their weapons laying around. Mm-hmm. Said, we were looking after prisoners from North Korea. And he said the North Korean prisoners came to him and gave him the weapons that had been left around. Really? He said the reason that they did that was because I always treated them kind with Ooh. kindness, oh. even though they were prisoners. And he he used to tell us that too, as an example. He said, "You know, story. you never understand. You never will understand the power that kindness has in the world. That's a and great kindness story. Has on people. Wow, you know?
4: I can see where you you would remember that forever. And and w- what an interesting story, you know, to to share now that we're talking about civility. But under those circumstances, that that's." Amazing. That's an amazing story, what you just shared. I mean, the, these prisoners, you know, these Koreans, giving them, you know, the, the
3: weapons and, and telling them, you know, here they are. Yep. Wow. It is. You know you know what they DeVore, say? DeVore in New Jersey, WABC Talk Radio 77. You're on with Ernie Anastos, James Golden. It's Rush Hour. Hi, DeVore. How are you? DeVore in New Jersey. Okay, DeVore. You're on.
4: Yes, Bo. Yes, Bo. Uh, I listen to your show every day. Today, I catch, catch the beginning of it. And about the the situation with the people with the mental, uh, let's say illnesses. Long time ago, we used to have institutions that would take care of them. Every, especially the extreme mentally ill. You know, families cannot take care of
3: some of these people. Everybody has a job. People need attention. They have to be reminded, have to be reminded to eat. And because the civil
4: liberties of everybody has to be respected, We let out not just the marginally ill, but everybody out of these institutions. We've just left them out there to dry, uh, dry, and and society has failed them. At least in the past, we had institutions where families could commit their loved ones because- I got it.
3: I don't mean to cut you off, but time is so running out, we have to hurry to a break, but I want Ernie to be able to answer that. So thank you so much for the call. We appreciate you, and thank you for listening. Ernie. You,
4: you know, there, there are so many subjects that we're talking about today, and, and I, I think that what I, I love about your show is that uh, everyone has a chance to be able to voice their opinion. And and we don't necessarily have to respond to it sometimes. We can just let them, you know, say what they want and, and let the viewers and let the listeners, you know, respond to see what they think. Uh, but I think what's important overall is the fact that a lot of people want good information. They want the truth. And there's a major problem with mistrust for media and disinformation. And that's the kind of thing that what we're trying to do in our own way uh, to try and find a
3: way to better improve our lines of communication. And that's our job. Absolutely. And I'm just going to add my two cents in. I have talked before about the release of so many mentally ill people on the streets as a political act. And it was shameful then. It is shameful now. And I will say it again. We are the wealthiest nation on the face of the earth. It is inhumane for us not to give and care for the mentally ill, those who cannot, who absolutely cannot, take care of themselves mentally. To leave them wandering in the streets is a sin. And we can do better than this
4: as a society. It's our responsibility, Bo. You're right. That's what we need to do, and
3: that's what we have to do. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley. Ah, uh, Louis Armstrong, great song, and Ernie Anastas, a wonderful world. We're coming back. Don't go away.
1: Okay, Jaybo. From me and Jaybo, and I think to myself,
2: what a wonderful world. This is the Rush
1: Hour with Bo Nerdly. Rush on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
3: Super Tram, and they went number one today. WABC Talk Radio 77. Having fun with
4: J-Bo on the radio. I like this. J-Bo, I'm going to be calling you that from now on. J-Bo oh, on the goodness. radio. That's, that's a nice <laughs> little logo for you, man. Hey, you know, I'm still thinking about that story you told about your dad in the Korean War and covering prisoners of war, and it reminded me of a great quote. A father is a daughter's first love and a son's first hero.
3: I loved your story. Wow. Thank you. And sure. he really was. I mean, you know, um, in so many ways. And my mom, too. Oh, yeah. I had exceptional parents. I was just blessed. I had, you know, exceptional parents.
4: Do you know how important that is to have that self-esteem? If, if you can give your child any gift, a, a sense of self-esteem is the best thing you can give them because it carries them for the rest of their lives. No matter what happens,
3: they'll always feel good about themselves. And you know what else you can give them to mm. you can give them a, a a I don't know whether it's a religious or a spiritual or a upbringing that has a root mm. in yes. a belief in something greater than ourselves god creator you can call it yeah. by any name oh, I'm the idea you. that we the idea that we live in a world where there's so much hatred and you see this hatred on display day in and day mm-hmm. out you mm-hmm. see you see, it's almost some days, I was going to ask you, um I, I was thinking, I've been thinking since last night of things that I wanted to ask okay. you. I wanted to ask you, one of the questions was, how do you stay so positive? There are days, Ernie, when I look at the news and I feel so completely disgusted right. and sad and 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 almost hopeless. It's I painful. don't ever give up hope. Yeah, but how do you, you're well, always so exuberant you know- and so happy. It, it's, a, and yeah, it's a challenge. How do you do it? Well, y- you know,
4: you touched on it because I think this is very important to me because I do believe that we have one creator and, and a creator of love. And I think about that and I say, you know, y- you, have, you have control over this world. You have your reasons. Many of them, of course, I cannot understand. Hopefully I will someday. But right now, that's where my faith is. And, you know, th- there's a line that says, you know, fear knocked at the door. Faith opened it and there was nothing there. We always have to have hope. That's so important. You you go on the air at night and you say good evening, and then you tell people why it's not. And I don't like that. So what I'm doing now is, is trying to tell more positive stories, finding solutions to problems, surrounding people with, you know, inspiring stories. I think that's what you have to do. You know, if you hang around with the right kind of people, that helps a lot. And I try to do that. People are like elevators. They can take you up or down. So you don't want to get stuck on one floor. You want to make sure you're around people that really care about life. There's something on on, on my end table at night, and I look at it, and now that the day is over, what did you do that was really important? What was really significant in your life? And I ask myself that question, and I try to think about, did I do something that made a difference, that helped someone, Uh, whether it was my family, a friend, or something that I did in, in my profession as a broadcaster? Did I do something that really made a difference? that can help change the world. I I think it's important, and it's important for people talking about mental health, to compliment, compliment yourself every day. You have to have that love of yourself to be able to love other people. I'm sounding like a preacher here, but you know, it's basic fundamental truth. You have to understand that. If you feel good about yourself, you're going to feel good about other people. And I don't see the anger sometimes uh, you know, in, in individuals, uh, I, I try to see the good in them. Uh, and, and people shouldn't suppress their emotions. I've done a lot of interviews on, on mental health. It's unhealthy. It only makes things worse to suppress. Talk to somebody you know, somebody that appreciate, a professional, but a friend, a family. Talk it out. Hear yourself talking. And then you can say, hey, I've almost got the answer myself. You know what I'm talking about, Bo? If you hear yourself talk sometimes, you say, I've got the answer right here. So we need to talk. Mm-hmm. We need to have dialogue. That's that's Part of what we do every day. Don't get stuck, you know, uh, on materialistic things. I mean, th- there's there's no basis of happiness there. Think about things that are far greater, because we're only here for a short ride. There's another great line. I love quotations. My wife is a calligrapher, and she writes these out for me. Thanks. Don't worry, be happy. In a hundred years, there'll be all new people. Think about it. <laughs> this is our turn. This is our turn, Jay Bo. We're on. <laughs>
3: I love that. Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. Now tell people where they can find you on the weekends again, please.
4: Okay, we are on uh, Sunday nights at 5 p.m. live on 77 WABC. It's called Positively Ernie and Patricia with Patricia Stark. We do a whole hour, and we talk about all these different subjects like today, and we take phone calls. And also during the week, I'm on the air every day with Positively Ernie. And I have these short little brief, you know, reports trying to find a solution to a problem. I look for things uh, that are happening in the world, things that are happening in the news. It could be the economy. It could be a social issue. And I try to improve on that to say, OK, here's what's happening to make the world better. And, and I'm, I'm really committed to that. I, I've really always been enthusiastic. I thrive on it. Optimism, enthusiasm. And, and I live in the real world. I don't want somebody listening and saying, where is this guy coming from? Is he for real? Yes, I am for real. I really believe in that, and it comes from the spirit. And I know you believe in
3: that too, j I do. Yes, sir. And I want to end with you with this, with my own Ernie Anastas story. Ooh. Shortly after Ernie began here at WABC, I go through my emails. I get literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails a day, if not thousands. And there's an email from Ernie Anastas. I'm like, What? And I read it, and it was just a compliment on Ernie telling me that he liked the program, he he listened, and he enjoyed the program, and Mm -hmm. wishing me, and Ernie, I'm going to tell you something, I will never forget it, you make people feel good. Thank you both. I that is that. such a blessing, and you are a blessing. And we have to do this again.
4: Oh, I, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I really am. remember that line. People may not remember what you said, but they'll remember
3: how you made them feel. Absolutely. And, Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for both nervous Rush Hour. We are here at 7 a.m. tomorrow morning for the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. May God bless and protect each w- and every single... What a pleasure to be on your
4: show. Thank you. Thank you so much. God bless you, Thank too. You. Keep up the great work.
3: Back tomorrow, my friends, God willing, 7 a.m. here on WABC. Make sure to have that first cup of coffee with us. God bless. Protect each and every single one of you, your families, your loved ones. Amen. Thank you for being here. Love and gratitude for you. And Ernie, much love and gratitude for you, my friend. What a pleasure, Bo. What a pleasure.
2: God bless you, too.